0: This is Mish Hancock, and you are listening to Mishmash, a place where I get to talk to the weird, wacky, wonderful people of this world, people I adore and want to know more about. Today, my guest is Mike DePung. After an early retirement from public school education as an English teacher, Mike has practiced a childhood desire to write with a focus on discovering and living the highest self and sharing that self in kindness. Well makes sense you're here. He <laughs> believes that social justice begins with the personal justice of meeting heart self, which is where the joy begins. I love that. Well,
1: that's a good thing because that's what I'm all about.
0: I love it. I love it. And it's so interesting because this has been a huge part of my world lately is going back to self, you know, really understanding self and weirdly. Realizing I have to put myself first, which is, I think, hard for some people.
1: It is in some ways if you evaluate the way most people think.
0: Yeah, like, oh, so selfish. Yes. (laughs) Uh,
1: The reality is, though, if I value myself correctly, then that means I esteem everyone else in that same light. And that's one of the things I say based on my philosophy and the art of the art. All the articles I've written and the books I've written um, is based on social justice begins with personal justice, and all social injustice begins with personal injustice of not recognizing your own power, divinity, and beauty. And so, yeah.
0: So let's talk about personal just like personal justice. What does that look like to you?
1: Personal justice means this is. I, a little analogy i like to use okay um you have a piano okay and every piano has a bunch of different parts but i like to think of human beings as the keys on the piano and e- any key any part you would say well that's piano or that's part of a piano right but every human being is a different note a c and f sharp and e whatever it might be and So, when there's a base of who we are, I believe that we are all expressions of spirit incarnate. That means we are spirit in essence, but we come in the form of incarnation of a human being. And that brings with us a couple, two different operating systems. This is basic of what I believe in. I've written 620 articles, including <laughs> poems, and, uh, and so like you I said, really
0: believe us. it. So I really <laughs> believe. Can it. You back it up with a lot of yes. writing. <laughs> and uh, uh,
1: so I, once we come as an incarnate expression of spirit, and uh, I believe that animals and birds and uh, all, everything has spirit in it, but there are different expressions of spirit. We are incarnate expressions of spirit. And because we come in this particular form with a brain that is amazing, and that means we relate to one another, automatically we're put in that thing. We come with two operating systems. We come with the ego operating system, Mm
0: -hmm. and we
1: come with the heart operating system. The ego operating system is very valuable. A lot of people like ego. We need to get rid of ego. No, we don't. No,
0: no. You have to have ego to live here.
1: Absolutely have to have it. But ego, you stay in your place when I'm talking about things like social justice, when I'm talking about things like um, why I came here, I didn't come here to be worried about everything, to be accepted by other people. That While that's kind of part of it, the thing I really came here for is to engage in um, wonder and awe with that inner child of just the beauty of this creation to face challenges that come because I am an an expression of spirit and flesh, the challenges that that brings, but the challenges are great because that means that I get to do what what we're all really great at, which is innovating and creating and moving forward. And that's what, that's kind of it. So it's either like, you know, it's like iOS or Android. It's (laughs) ego system or heart operating system. And and in any given moment, we're going to be a blend of the two, but we also choose in any given moment. Is it going to be heart or is it going to be ego?
0: And it needs to be balanced. Yeah. you know. And if the ego gets out of balance, then that just drives people crazy. But if the heart gets out of balance, then sometimes you're not. we we were just, What I was talking about in the beginning was that realizing that you really do have to be yourself and serve yourself before you can serve others and take care of yourself. It's that whole put your oxygen mask on before you put it on the child in the yes, airplane thing, yes. right? You know, it's like you can't possibly be there for other people if you haven't been there for yourself.
1: Now, it's impossible. Yeah. Because you will never evaluate. You will never look at another person as valuable if you don't value yourself.
0: Yeah. And I think, you know, it's, it's so, it has been such an interesting journey that my past couple of months just like really diving back into the whole like getting more into this, you know, my spirituality, like bringing all that up again. I felt like, even though it's always there, I was like, I need to really take this all up a notch. I'm ready to to dive in. And um, one of the things that I keep hearing again and again is, you know, that, that higher self part of you too. Like, are you talking to the higher self of, of you and spirit? Really, that's what you're talking to. Are you... Um, In communion with that and speaking with that and being a part of that. And I think that that's an important part of being here on Earth is talking to our higher self and the higher self of other people, too.
1: That's why we came here. Yeah. That's really why we came here. Because it's experiencing part of this co-creation in a unique way. Um, We come as spirit. Now, animals don't appreciate the world and this creation in the same way, and I'll say to the, in, in a different way that it's not just as great, but I'm saying in the same way, human beings are pretty unique. Yeah, and um, and so we have this choice, and that's why you know you look at the news, you look at what's going on. and I wrote the book uh, about social, ju- looking at social injustice.
0: Tell them, tell everybody the name of the book.
1: The book is Martin, Maya, and Me: A Brief Exploration of Social Injustice, and. The reason why, and I took, because I can't help it. I'm an English teacher. Um, I uh, I I had to look at the literature and I didn't have to, but it was just so beautiful to look at Dr. King's letter from Birmingham city jail and uh, Maya Angelou's um, on the pulse of mourning, which was uh, the uh, poem that she wrote for the first inauguration of Bill Clinton. Um, and i looked at them kind of as literature but i w- wove in some of my own experiences and stories and viewpoints of events that were current in the past few years and of what i experienced when as a teenager i was i was a young teenager when dr king was assassinated and uh, of course just shortly after he was assassinated bobby kennedy was assassinated yeah. and there was all the the social unrest and there were there was the rioting and um, I lived through that. I mean, I was old enough to you know to know what was going on. I was 13 years old, almost 14, just a month away from being 14. And, uh, and I heard all the things in my little white South St. Louis neighborhood. And um, it was confusing to me because I always read. And I had my life magazines and stuff that I ordered with my own money. And I would read these things. And I would think, wow, what a great guy. What a great man. He's doing this. And I couldn't put it all. It was hard for me to put it all together. Yeah. And so I looked at this whole idea. Through my life, I've been. And one of the fundamental books for me in terms of raising my awareness about highest self and the way we need to judge other people was I read when I was a, a senior in high school. I read um, Bury My Heart at Wounded Knee by Dee Brown.
0: Oh, right. And
1: um That was powerful and I realized all the stuff that I heard and that was right when Russell Means at uh, Wounded Knee, South Dakota uh, stood against uh, the uh, authorities that that he wasn't going to yield. He was part of the American Indian, founder of the American Indian Movement. And um, uh, it was, I heard all these things about, well, these troopers got killed Two, I think there were two troopers that got killed I'm like, this is not good. And again, ego heart. You got to. You can choose how you're going to respond to these things. But the reality is, somebody who is like me, obviously for those who can see me on Facebook, an older white guy. Let's say old white guy. uh, (laughs) An old white guy. um, My part is to be an ally, and to be an ally, I have to know the situation. I have to know what I desire to be an ally for what. What the conditions are, what's going on. And it's not me saying, hey, this is what I think would be good for you. No, it's me saying, what do you think would be good for you? And how can I support that based on my understanding of this?
0: Yeah, the understanding is a big thing because it's, you can't understand, you know, what another person has gone through unless you. I mean, you're never going to truly understand, right? You can't like, you know, you can't walk in their shoes kind of thing. But at least asking and finding out like from your perspective, you know, what are you seeing? Because everybody has a different perspective. And I think it's, it behooves us to listen to people with different perspectives. We learn from that. Um, We learn how to be better human beings. And we learn how to notice, I think a big thing with that I feel is that now I begin to notice things. I'm like, oh, that's not, mm. you know, like that may have gone straight over my head before because I, I wasn't in the space where I could see that that was, you know, and it might be just a little tiny thing someone says. But now I can feel it like if someone says just a little something that I just feel is I know this is off. I know that isn't the way to look at things. I'm like, oh, now I have to tell you what you just said is not cool. And here's why, you know, but unless you take the time to talk to other people that don't look like you, that didn't grow up like you, that come from different places, you know, you're not going to ever get those perspectives. And I think that's a lot of the issues with, um, People that are extremely judgmental, that live in fear of they, they are causing me a problem. They are the, you know, like, well, you probably have never even talked to any of these people. You're just making assumptions and living in this sort of shell that you've created that you, you can't burst out of.
1: And one that you think everybody else should be yeah. in and think like. This is and the right way. like and be right. like. Yeah. This is the
0: right way. Mm, yeah. Maybe it's not the right way. Yeah. You know. Part
1: of the thing in the book that, that I write about is was um, here in St. Louis after, um, gosh, I don't know which event it was after exactly, but um, the, what happened was the police here in St. Louis said, okay, you can protest. Here are the streets that you can protest in. And I was like, wait, what? You're saying it's okay for you to raise your voice as long as we remain in control. I'm sorry, it doesn't work like
0: that. Yeah, it's not how a protest works. Correct. Dr. King
1: went across the Edmund Pettus Bridge and he did it. I always love, I mean, so many quotes from him, obviously, but you know, a law that isn't just isn't a law at all. Uh, giving us, saying that we can't organize a parade, that wasn't the intent of the law, that wasn't it. We still March, we're still going to march. It doesn't matter if we're breaking the law about not having a permit for a parade.
0: Right, right. Intention is so interesting to me because I think that a lot of our laws, uh, the people that figure out these workarounds with laws, it it makes me crazy because I'm like, oh, okay. Written in black and white You're still legal, but the intention of that law was not so you could pull all this crap. (laughs) So, I mean, I feel like there has, that the intention has to be put forth in some way so that people aren't playing around with the legal system. It just causes so many other issues.
1: It always does and always has. I mean, you go back, Henry David Thoreau, Walden Pond, Unwalden, it's, there's civil disobedience. Uh, you, you know, what's the intent of things? And this is where I get about come to the point about social justice. Is if I view other people as being their ideas, their highest self is just as worthy as my highest self. And we are one. There's this unity. And again, Doctor King. I mean, we're all woven together in this uh, in this web of interconnectivity. And we. We're the same and injustice anywhere is injustice everywhere is the the whole s and i know those aren't exact quotes but um so yeah it's we have to value ourselves and we can see others and then you know what because i value myself i'm not threatened by if you have a different viewpoint i'm not threatened by um different value systems um but when it crosses the line
0: and on either others. side yeah.
1: and it becomes destructive, yeah. then you're living ego and you're at living heart. And I don't even say it's wrong. I don't even say it's a sin. What I am saying is you've chosen to live lower life consequences. And you're not going to be as happy. You're not going to know your heart self. You're not going to live why you came here to live.
0: But the, but the other part of it is that do you feel that some people are here and they're kind of younger souls. They aren't as mature yet. And so it's they're here to learn. Part of what they're here to learn is how to become a little bit more mature in their soul journey. So it's really hard for them to get out of the fear-based ways.
1: And yes, it and that's part of awakening. Yeah. That's part. And I, I hold a spiritual ceremony every night, just myself. Um, but I have everything laid out the way I like. And part of the intention for that ceremony is that um, there I will share healing, awakening love. And it's that healing love of people like you're talking about, younger souls, souls who maybe came because they wanted to learn these things. And um, they... Can awaken to those things, and when they do, wow! And like you said, you keep coming. You you face little things and you thought, oh, I never noticed that before. Yeah, that's part of awakening love. Right, that's part of healing, awakening love, and it happens to all of us. And the more we know, the more we realize we really have a lot to learn, that we have a lot to see. There's that this is such an awesome creation that there's always more to see and learn.
0: Yeah, always. There's no such thing as I mean. Obviously, if, you know, I was completely enlightened. I wouldn't be here on earth right now. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> if I had all the answers, there would be no existence there. of a Miss Hancock right now.
1: <laughs> exactly.
0: <laughs> at least on earth. Yes, <laughs> so,
1: at least on earth, yes.
0: Yeah. Yes. Um, cool. All right. Well, so tell people where they can get a hold of your book.
1: At this point, because of distributor issues, If they would just email me, All
0: right, what's your email? My
1: email is mdepung at yahoo.com.
0: All right, that's how you can get the book.
1: How much are you
0: selling the the book for?
1: I'm selling the book for $15. Okay. And if you email me, especially Mm -hmm. you hearing this, if you email me and just tell me, a little bit about yourself, something that you might like me to address in some way, um, I'll personalize the book for you for the 15 bucks. Nice. So,
0: and what will people, like, What it, tell me what they'll, what they'll learn from your book. Like, what's the...
1: The big thing is that the book, even though I don't mention it in the book when I wrote it, it is, for me, uh, to me, uh, written primarily for older white guys, and not just white guys, maybe women too, but for to understand what I evo- how I evolved to where I am, not arrived anywhere, but how I evolved to where I am, and to just help people think about what racial bias is, how it's expressed, and how people address it. I, again, I go back to the literature. Uh, Dr. King does such an amazing job. In it, of addressing seven white um, fellow clergymen like and basically just such love in his expression but he's like ultimately how how can you think like this i mean yeah. there's been such you know there's been such hypocrisy how can you think like this right and so and then i look at different at some of the sections along the way that dr can look at and then what i love about uh, and, and in doing that, again, I weave in some of my experiences. I'll share one in a minute, if that's okay. Go ahead, me. share it. Okay. I'll do it now. Because it kind of sets the tone for the book. It's my, part of my uh, the introduction. Uh, when I was 20 years old, I used to be very involved in uh, church stuff and uh, I'll just say church stuff but leave with that. With that. <laughs> Went to help out with a vacation Bible school to to run a vaca- help run a vacation Bible school in North St. Louis around the uh, Fairgrounds Park area. Okay. Um it was in the home of somebody that was associated in the church group I was involved with out in their their garage and it was just an empty garage. Uh, the first day that we were there they the word out with some of the kids around free kool-aid free cookies 100 kids first night after those kids found out hey yeah there are free cookies free kool-aid boom they just came by 150 a night for four nights in a row one of the nights it was about the third night i believe um, some of the little kids there um they were um wanted to play ball me and this other kid about my age they thought okay these guys are young they're good they're big so they had one one softball, hit it into a backyard. Into the backyard, there's a big white German Shepherd, and, and they said, "Well, game's over." And I said, "What game? No, we'll get your ball for you. Or oh, you can't go in there. That dog will kill you."
0: This sounds like the sand lot. <laughs> yeah, it
1: does. And so we said, "No, don't worry. We'll go around the front and ask." And they said, "Oh no!" I mean, fear just Not in their eyes. That person. No, really. And we said, "Oh, it's okay. We're going." We ran around down the end of the alley and around the front of the other street, and we look at the yard where it is, and the front of the house had been knocked out in, in chunks, the brick and big plate glass windows. And across the plate glass windows, boogie the boogie shack, and it had, it was had been created into a little like, you know, diner bar, dance jukebox, and we walked in and we were white and. It was the whole neighborhood, it was hundred percent African American. And uh when we walked in, everybody in the place their heads swiveled, they looked at us. The jukebox was playing, people were up and dancing, some not a lot, but some. And uh we walked across very like gulping to the counter, what was obviously been built as a counter. And as we did, somebody who was sitting next to the jukebox reached down and jerked the plug out of the wall and it stopped. And the lady who ran the place um, came out storming out. She said, what the hell is going on here? And she looked at us and she said, what do you boys want? And we said, well, the neighborhood kids hit their only ball in the backyard. And she looked at us, and she looked at everybody in the place, and she and it wasn't just directed at us. She said, don't anybody move. And I mean, she was authoritative. I
0: like this woman. And
1: and uh, I mean, everybody, but we could hear the whispers. Yeah. Those white boys, what are those white boys doing here? Yeah. She came back and with the ball, slammed it on the counter, and she said, this happens one time. If you white boys ever walk in here again, you won't walk out.
0: Oh gosh!
1: And at that point, I mean, we're like, okay, and we hightailed it out of there. And you could hear the music start when we got down the street again. The boy, the boy I was with, he said, "What ingrates! Like we're And I thought, "Oh my God! All these kids that I knew in high school—that has a very—I went to Cleveland High School here in South St. Louis. Okay, there were not very many African Americans there. I thought." That has to be what the family that I knew were three of the kids and that, that had to be the way they felt every day
0: yeah. of their lives.
1: And at that point, that's when it started like sinking. I had already bit read Bury My Heart at Wounded Knee. Right. I had already thought about these things. I had lived through the assassination of Dr. King and um, and and the subsequent unrest. Uh, this is what it's about, and yeah, do you know that you got they a had taste of little kids. Scary,
0: the world can be for
1: eight to twelve years old. They stayed together in groups of ten to fifteen kids a night in alleys because so that they could protect themselves. And and I'm like, we have no idea.
0: No idea. It's it's an incredibly different experience than what I experienced growing up. Yes, you know,
1: absolutely, absolutely. And even though we grew up, what I would call lower. Lower middle class, definitely lower middle class. I grew up in a four-room apartment until I was 22 years old. Um, So my book seeks to just present from my viewpoint what I experienced and my conclusions that I drew from that. And then looking at the literature, uh, not because that's it, but it's just because something that was natural to me to do because right. I had been an English teacher. And I had used Dr. King's letter from the Birmingham City Jail every year during uh, Black History Month uh, to share with my classes in, in the last 10 years, mostly seniors. Um, and uh, then I knew of Dr. of Dr. Angelo, she was a uh, honorary doctoral degree, uh, knew of her... Um, A poem on the pulse of morning, and i started looking at that after i retired 11 and a half years ago 12 years i don't remember something like that (laughs) somewhere when i started all my writing (laughs) and and i remembered her and, and i started looking at that and i was like oh this is where it just doesn't cut you know ultimately mish um i love where dr angelou ends up she goes through a rock, a river, and a tree symbolically. The rock says, you've stood on me for too. you you've hidden in my shadow too long, stand on me and face the truth of what is, of what the relationships are between people and between nations. And then there's the river, the river flows and, oh, it's nice and it's beautiful, And except they're all the... There's all the detritus of war that is washed up on its mm-hmm. shores, and you. And then she goes through this list of all these um, oppressed, disenfranchised, marginalized peoples throughout history, going all the way back thousands of years. And she ends up in the whole thing, and the river says, "Hey, who who are you to set boundaries like their nations? I don't recognize boundaries." And The tree in the end is like, come under me for shelter and shade, if you will acknowledge what is. And the way she ends it is just so beautiful. It's that great twist that that great poems have at the end. Go outside, greet your brother, greet your sister, and simply say, good morning. That's it, just good morning.
0: Nice, simple. Yeah. Hey, Maya. I love it. I love the passion you have about the writing so, I have some fun questions for you. Okay, Are you ready? I'm ready. <laughs> this is question time. <laughs> um, so you're like Mister. I've read everything. Okay, so no, do you have a don't fa- no, 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 no. no. <laughs> do you have a favorite children's story?
1: <sighs> I <sighs> it, it's, story or books or what?
0: Yeah, it's, yeah book. Yeah. Just, yeah, top of mind something that you're like, "Hey, read this one to your kids."
1: I'm sorry, but I'm a daddy of chil- of four children that are all grown now, all adults. And um
0: what'd you read to them?
1: Berenstain Bears. Ah, I loved Berenstain okay. Bears.
0: All right. Yeah.
1: I would I would choose different ones now probably, but
0: But those 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 have the the place in your heart.
1: And I could always do, because I like to do the voices when I read to my kids. My yes. kids loved it when I read oh, to Oh,
0: yeah. Them. Kids love Every when day. you do the voices. Yeah.
1: And uh, so that was really good. The other one my uh, daughter really liked was uh, Strawberry Shortcake. Aww. The Strawberry Shortcake books. Aww. And I could be the purple pie man. <laughs> <so>. <laughs>
0: I love it. All right. I happen to know that you have a new member of your family, a puppy dog. Yes. So tell us about training the puppy dog. Like, what's been the, because it's hard. What is the biggest challenge you've had with training?
1: Time. Just spending because she, and I give it, which means other things uh, suffer.
0: Yeah. They take Uh, time.
1: uh, And that's the biggest thing I know. And I can do it because. I work from home, and I I do tutor a little bit. I, I have students that I tutor do ACT, SAT type tutoring, but um, um, I I spend not now. Finally, she's coming around. She's like five months old, six months old, um, but the first three months that we had her. Um, I literally just sat right there where she was right there, and I would watch. And I would make sure, I know 15, 20 minutes after she drinks, you got to out. go outside. We got to go out.
0: <laughs> 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 but, you know, yeah.
1: that time pays off. Right. Because then you have a dog that you can enjoy for the right. rest of their time here.
0: What's the puppy's and, name again?
1: It's Maisie.
0: Maisie, that's right.
1: The, the Welsh spelling, M-A-I-S-Y.
0: I love it. So, but I've seen her. She's super cute. Yeah. Okay, so... Kindness is the big thing here, and so just share with us a top-of-mind kindness, whether it's something you received, you gave, you witnessed, just top-of-mind kindness.
1: You know, some of the—it's reciprocal, isn't it?
0: hmm
1: And uh, some of the expressions of kindness that I value the most towards me was every month at the school where I taught, the students would write like, you know, who's your special teacher or whatever— and I, literally, I have a couple hundred of those saved at home oh, from when I taught.
0: Very and, cool.
1: And so many things would come out that I was like, I didn't realize that's the way that you looked at things like that. I mean, students who would say things like, we don't know why. We don't always remember everything from class, but we just feel like we're better people when we come out of Oh, that's walk out of your class.
0: awesome!
1: And but I used to tell my students one of the first thing, the first day is like, as far as I'm concerned, day one uh, from from the day, there are many of you in this class that are smarter than I am. I just know a few specific things that are supposed to help you, and I just want you to. I had two goals that I shared that I think were goals of kindness. I wanted them to learn how to learn for their own sakes, and I wanted them to learn to love to learn a little bit.
0: Yeah, because that would, that's big. That that carries that you for the spread. lifetime.
1: That That is, those are expressions of kindness.
0: Life learners are some of my favorite so, people. <laughs> so,
1: and I always do that. And, and, you know, like 80% of my Facebook friends, uh, and I don't have tons like some people. I have about 1,000, maybe not quite a right, 1,000. 80% of them are former students. So um, that's
0: awesome. Yeah.
1: And ever so often they'll do those things, the things will come up like who was your favorite teacher? And they'll always tag me in it. And these and it's just like, yeah.
0: I love it. That's you kindness did, you, to me. You did it right then.
1: That they even remember me. I always tell them that. I I can't of all the teachers you had in the court and you're adults now and you have your own kids and you still remember me. Some I, really stand I'm out. Yeah,
0: yeah. I love it. Well, thank you, Mike. This was fun to get to know you a bit more. Wow. I get to see you every Monday morning on our Get Ready for This Week uh, call. Yes. But yes. it was fun to get to see this uh, the passion. I mean, I know you have a lot of passion, but just the passion for all the writing and everything. It's really cool.
1: Thank you so much. Thanks for having me, Mish, because uh, I value you. I value your work. Wow. Oh, I mean, thank I've watched you. these. I've watched these uh, Facebook, never watched them live, but I I watched the replays. And um, of course, I get to hear you share on Monday mornings. And uh, it's always beneficial. It's always great. And your kindness is definitely, I mean, it's Yay for kindness.
0: It's a big deal.
1: It is a big deal. It's a big
0: deal. Kindness is, I mean, it sounds squishy and mushy and woo-woo and everything. But I'm like, Look if you can just be kind to people and and i and i just i notice it you know people i think there's something about when people are noticed you know when they're seen that is i mean of course it is when you're seen and i see everybody i mean i i go past people and wave to them and say hi to them and you know some people are like i don't i'm not going to look at you oh yes <laughs> I, please the don't time. see me you know and i'm yes. like okay but i see you anyway you know yes. uh, so i'm going to say hello to you or whatever but I really it brings me great joy when when it just lights somebody up they're like, "Oh, oh, hi. Are you just open the door for someone or I mean, it's way better to go through life like that."
1: It happens all the time and to be in our neighborhood which is not a huge 52 homes in the subdivision. Um, there are a couple of people that have called me the mayor of our subdivision. Oh fun. Just because Everybody seems to know who I am. You I don't know everybody, everyone. but it's like, they go up and down the street, like you said, <laughs> you wave at the cars and they yep. smile and wave. Are they like, mm, yeah, no. <laughs> uh, but most of them do. And then I walked the puppies. We had two dogs before that I walked that were great big 120-pound and 86-pound dogs. Um, and uh, they would know the big white dogs, but they'd be like, yeah, you're the guy that walks the big white dogs and you're always smiling and wave. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's it all it takes. Smiling. Hey. It costs
1: yeah. nothing except joy. Makes you feel it good. It costs
0: nothing, but and it gives you tons. Yes. It's like big filling apart stuff. Yes. Yeah. Love it. Well, thank you, Mike.
1: You are welcome, Mish. Thank you for having me Ah, so much. This is awesome. And thank whoever listens. Thank you guys for whoever listens. Thank you guys out there. really great. Very
0: much for your time. All right. So you've been listening to Mish Mash Podcast, so go be kind. Go be kind. Go wave. Say hi. Be a sweetheart. Wink at cuties. (laughs) (laughs) Have a good one. All right, everybody. Have a good one. Talk to you later. Bye.